Hello and welcome to the Evity Lab podcast. My name is Sam and I'm here with my good friend AJ. Hey there. Together we review movies, TV shows, and streaming content. Heads up for this episode. We know we said in the previous episode we'd be reviewing the movie Live, Die, Repeat with Tom Cruise, but we decided to do a different one instead. But don't worry, it was a great movie and we recorded a great podcast review of it. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. What is it you want, Barry? You, you want the moon? I want the truth! I see dead people. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. This is Sparta! I am your father. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us all unite! In today's episode, we'll be reviewing the movie Ad Astra. Ad Astra is a story about astronaut Roy McBride, played by Brad Pitt who travels to the outer edges of the solar system to find his missing father and unravel a mystery that threatens the survival of our planet. His journey will uncover secrets that challenge the nature of human existence and our place in the cosmos. Well, where to begin with this movie, AJ? Boy, where to indeed, Samuel. There's a lot of complexity that was involved with this movie. Yeah, despite some complex space stuff, I think it's actually a more straightforward film. I guess the two films that immediately came to mind uh, were Gravity at the beginning when, you know, he's falling from a, a space station. Control, McBride. I'm gonna spin. Atmosphere is too thin to stabilize. Trying to keep the tumble down. But then the more useful comparison, at least initially, is Interstellar, I think, where Earth is decaying and in conflict and reaching out into space for resources and exploration. But where Interstellar had lofty, convoluted ideals and plot, I think Ad Astra is surprisingly straightforward and minimalist in what it's actually trying to say. I don't know if you remember Interstellar, but it was a lot of like <laughs> Matthew McConaughey exploring the... What's over here? <laughs> need to make it over there. The universe yeah. is just a square. <laughs> <laughs> well, we used to look up in the sky and wonder at our place in the stars. Now we just look down and worry about our place in the dirt. This is space travel and exploration imagined in the near future with, you know, commercial flights. And uh, it's almost like a like a Tom Cruise action movie, but just set in space exploration as if it was very normal. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about this film because it rides that line between being somewhat realistic with commercialized space travel and then at the same time trying to be something deeper or more metaphysical where Brad Pitt is trying to find his father who supposedly was lost and is now alive the fact that it rode that line it was it didn't know what it wanted to be should it be more realistic should it be more metaphysical and crazy or spiritual even i get what they are trying to do but i felt like it should have gone more towards the spiritual and kind of supernatural towards the end yeah because it felt like it didn't really get there right that, it, it did feel like it wanted to go there didn't it yeah you know, right up until he gets to his father, you're, you're, you're expecting something kind of 
in the same vein as Interstellar where, you know, like space ghosts or something or aliens. <laughs> Which they have a cool scene with the baboons where Brad Pitt gets the call from the military people saying, hey, you're going to go to this facility to try to contact your dad because it seems like he's like cut off connection to everybody else except for maybe you. Like he's not responding. And then they come across an abandoned ship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the they, a research ship sends out a mayday signal and it's on their route. And, and the captain of the ship is like, we have to explore it. It turns out that there's a bunch of space baboons that are murderous. This actually brings me to my first burning question. Is it implied that the monkeys just devoured the crew and they're just like stowed away somewhere? Because we never saw anyone. I suppose the initial catalyst of this film is supposedly Earth is being hit by a bunch of cosmic rays and that's causing a lot of problems. And maybe that's the cause that made the baboons go crazy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess maybe like it let them loose or something. It's not super important, but I, I was just curious that it was kind of unexplained and it seemed to just a, a kind of interesting detour to throw in some space monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't, like space monkeys? <laughs> who doesn't like space monkeys? Don't you think it would have been a viable solution, though, rather than spend all these billions of dollars on space travel to supposedly go and fix this cosmic ray issue? Why not just go and become like Amish people again? Get rid of technology. We just have horses and buggies. Don't have to worry about exploding technology or whatever is happening on Earth. Boom. Solved. That would That is an option. Um, the, the Amish do not have problems with space rays. It is a known fact. The first half of the movie, I liked a lot more, I think, versus the second half where it tries to be deeper mm-hmm. because it shows Brad Pitt falling off this gigantic tower which i thought was really cool Mm -hmm, yeah and made me think initially it was going to be more of an action type film Mm -hmm. versus a slow burn and then we go and have one of the most awesome scenes i think in the whole film where we have brad pitt go to the moon to get launched over to mars that's like a jump site Mm -hmm. and they have to go across the surface and there's space pirates space pirates hell yeah that was so cool dude i've never seen any action scene like that yeah no that was really cool with like laser beams and everything and um you know and there's no there's no sound because they're in space so you're seeing this action scene unfold and the only sound you're hearing is their comms and the intense music in the background as like explosions are happening Yeah, that's where I think they got some of that from the movie Gravity. Mm, yeah, right. Where, yeah, there's action that you you can't hear it because it's in space, but you see the devastating consequence of it. It makes it like way more suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They said in the behind the scenes that they wanted the weapons to be similar to a railgun. Mm. So that's what they have these tracer type bullets to them so you can actually see where they're going and that explosion when they launch the airstrike at the end they modeled that off of a type of air uh, explosion or something like that 
so that they modeled it exactly just like that as it would appear on the moon in zero type vacuum. Yeah, it actually that explosions that missile scene reminded me of an aircraft carrier or, or you know some some ship launching a missile on on the land. Yeah, it looks so cool on the mm-hmm. camera movement. They were yeah. trying to figure out how best to represent that. So they actually I forget if it was the director of photography or someone on his team, he just filmed what he thought would be a cool movement eventually in his hotel room, just like going all the way up and down. And they just put tracking markers on the ceiling and they mimicked that exactly with all the CG. So that was pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. I think the movie first and foremost is, you know, space is more of the background. It's just the hijinks and the, the main focus and the actual story is this tension. Roy played by Brad Pitt has with his father, but did you care about it? Like his relationship with his dad? Because I felt no real... Stakes? Yes. There wasn't enough stakes for me for them to mm. like find one another. So part of Roy's thing is that he's emotionally distant. And you know it, the, the film showcases this relationship he's been having trouble with. Yeah. Girlfriend, wife type person. Girlfriend, wife type person. And their relationship just falls out. And Roy has this scene where... And he's referring to anger here. I think it keeps me walled off, walled off from relationships and opening myself up. The attack is full of rage. I understand that rage. I've seen that rage in my father. I've seen that rage in me because I'm angry that he took off. He left us. But when I... I look at that anger and I, if I push it aside and just put it away, all I, all I see is hurt. I just, I just see pain. I think it keeps me walled off, walled off from relationships and opening myself up and, you know, really caring for someone. And I don't know how to get past that. I don't know how to get around that. And it worries me. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be my dad. And so his dad is this looming presence in his life that kind of haunts him and it, it tints all of his relationships. Um, and he has, he clearly has issues of abandonment. Um, and he clearly is, is driven in his career by a desire to make his dad proud, but also to, to find purpose that his dad kind of seemingly left in a void. I did like how they portray that idea by Brad Pitt telling you his inner monologue of not wanting to become his dad, but then It was so funny to see in a dark sort of way, Brad Pitt making his way to Mars and then hijacking essentially the spaceship that was going to go find his dad. And in that process, involuntarily ends up killing the entire crew. Spacecom, this is CPS. There's been a breach in our airlock. Captain Stanford, do you read? Jesus, it's McBride. He's breached the goddamn airlock. Let's get out of there! Seamers, get back in your seat! What have I done? 
which leads me to another. I have like four burning questions. And another one is why the fuck wasn't Roy arrested upon returning to Earth? At, like for hijacking that, <laughs> right? that that ship because so he goes on this ship and the crew is just all of them die and I presumably command the space command knows that or figures it out and that's no what one... I thought was so crazy is that in the process of not wanting to become his dad and overtaken by his obsession to like yeah. be the best or travel the furthest and find extra life out there he ends up murdering everybody yeah <laughs> by indirectly. it is indirect but uh it is kind of perplexing that he that people just seem to let it go <laughs> after he stows away after he was reassigned i thought that in my head maybe they just assumed they didn't want to make this a huge public thing to the press so they just tried to cover it up and make him a hero like his yeah, dad maybe that, that would be a plausible story especially since it was a successful mission they were probably so happy that they're like Oh, who cares about the crew that you, that was killed <laughs> in your attempt at stowing away? finally makes it to Project Lima around Neptune. His father, Clifford McBride, played by Tommy Lee Jones, he says, You talking about Earth? There was never anything for me there. I never cared about you or your mother or any of your small ideas. For 30 years, I've been breathing this air, eating this food, enduring these hardships. And I never once thought about home. I know, Dad. I mean, it was just brutal. Like, and Brad Pitt is just—he's absorbing this, and it's a—it's an interesting scene. It seemed a little too harsh to you, a little too no, direct, maybe. It's, it's not really the harshness. It's just, it just—I just think it was a good scene because Roy got to see who his father is and what he became, and at what cost. That scene seemingly helps Roy resolve the tension in himself. What I didn't like about that was I thought the whole part where he's grabbing onto his dad to go and board his spaceship Mm -hmm. how his dad just ejects the fumes from his backpack and then he's like let me go let me go i'm like ugh, saw it a million miles away coming yeah i don't know what roy was was thinking would happen here he knows that his dad murdered most of the crew he's lost his marbles in in order to stay at that space station but he somehow thinks that he's gonna bring his dad back come home with me daddy and and they're gonna be alone together for what is it seven months or something in a ship returning to earth yeah fucking right (laughs) i would have been like see ya yeah no i i think i would have just left him there at that point let me go roy Unhook me. Unhook me, son. I did like how after that, though, Roy jumps onto the spinning antenna on top of the Lima Project space station and launches himself 
through Neptune's belt. rock belt with that shield. Yep. That was really cool. I liked that. Yes. Surfing an asteroid belt is pretty cool. And then uses the nuclear explosion to launch back to Earth. The action in this movie is cool. It's got space pirates, space monkeys, and surfing through an asteroid belt. Detonation in T-minus 20 seconds. I wish the whole movie was like that. Like, I wanted just more of the moon scene, more of the monkeys, and more of that stuff. I could care less at this point about the dad thing. Well, it would get it would get cheapened if it was just like an entire movie of of Roy just adventuring around space. You need you need space between all these cool action sequences. Otherwise, it yeah. would be just Mission Impossible in space. I guess if that was the counter argument, then I wanted maybe just one more scene of. Roy and his dad flushed out when they were younger uh, mm. to build a little bit more emotion versus just like the flashbacks he has of his dad leaving. What I consider the best monologue and part of the entire movie, which kind of brings together the story of Roy and his father and the overarching themes of the movie is this monologue where Roy says he captured strange and distant worlds in greater detail than ever before. They were beautiful, magnificent, full of awe and wonder. But beneath their sublime surfaces, there was nothing. No love or hate, no light or dark. He could only see what was not there and missed what was right in front of him. Roy's father is so obsessed with extraterrestrial life and finding it that he he abandons his son he discards humanity and his obsession is finding extraterrestrial life i think the movie comes together in its overlaying theme is essentially a call to stay present to the people in the world around us warning that obsession with space travel and infinite forward thinking leads to a decay and cheapening of the known world and you can kind of see this when roy he visits the moon and it's become kind of a cheap commercial attraction. Yeah. All the hopes we ever had for space travel, covered up by drink stands and t-shirt vendors, just a recreation of what we're running from on Earth. We are world eaters. I loved that line for yeah, sure. It was, it was a great line. And just showing how going to the moon is completely untethered now from what its actual wonder for mankind is. It's just going to space. It's just like, oh, cool. I'm going to go to the moon for the weekend rather than holy crap. Mankind is is in space far beyond its its origins and, and the like. If you go slowly frame by frame, you can also see as they're walking through the moon base, there's like subways and Burger King signs yeah. up even. Yeah, it's all just a, a commercial, just a, a profit machine it's it's less about the science and and the wonder than it is just to make a quick buck doesn't that just say so much even about today's society as we are as a human race right absolutely 
there's kind of a debate in the tech and science world about future technology versus Earth right now. There's voices in the tech world that are obsessed about establishing colonies on Mars as a way to say, okay, we got to go to Mars now because Earth is becoming so polluted and gross. And it becomes a kind of escapist fantasy about the abilities of, of mankind outside of Earth that are currently utopian and not appreciating like this is the one world we have and that we've known and we're kind of shitting on it and not doing a good job of, of preserving it. And that's kind of how how this movie starts. You know, we're resource starved and and conflict ridden, um, just like an interstellar. You know, the, the the Earth is is failing because of its inability to sustain itself. I was talking about this the other day with someone where when we run out of natural resources like gas, I am going to invest heavily in horse stock because I think we're just going to revert back to the horse age of traveling. Oh, you think you think we're going to go back to horses instead of like solar, wind, or nuclear? <laughs> I mean, you gotta for if we have all electric vehicles, you still have to make the power somehow. So yeah. it's either nuclear or whatever until we get to the point where the batteries are just so efficient, or we can run on freaking salt water or something. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of waste no matter what. Yeah. A question I've always had in kind of the back of my mind about just computers in general, like presumably there is a finite amount of the materials to make electronics in the world. And at some point, will those will be exhausted. And so what do you do? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I assume there's just limited silicon to make computers. And when will when will we run out of that? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, we need to probably start artificially creating yeah i'm sure we'd figure it out but just thinking about it and the possibility that we'd just suddenly be able to no longer make computers is just kind of (laughs) mind-blowing not that that would happen but just the idea Mm -hmm, for sure I think the movie is plot doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So one, I don't understand why the Lima project traveling to Neptune would allow the crew to more easily find life on other planets because the universe is so insanely vast that Neptune to earth is kind of a drop in the bucket. I I suppose you could be able to do certain things that you couldn't from earth, but the idea that you have to be at the edge of this small galaxy to ascertain life on other planets seems wrong to me. I'm not a scientist in any way, but it just seems wrong. <laughs> yeah, how vast the universe is. I don't know if they were wanting to maybe establish another colony on Neptune and use that as a jumping off point then too, maybe? It, it didn't sound like it. it. It sounded like the mission was to go to Neptune and then beyond to find life. And they just weren't finding any data to support life anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like when, when you're doing some kind of insane project like this, someone had to have said, why the hell are we sending out these people to the edge of the galaxy when the universe is so, so vast? We might as well just send like a drone out there because yeah. human, humans have <laughs> extreme limitations. Like they'll just die out there. Yeah. And right. we'll go insane as yeah, the movie right. portrays. Yeah. And so, and they didn't do anything 
I, it just, it seems very short sighted and <laughs> shocking in its, in its point here. I mean, I guess without that as the catalyst to create the cosmic rays, you don't have well, a movie, but. And, and that's my other extreme question is so I get there's this like antimatter generator that the Project Lima station has. So a lot of that is very theoretical. And so the movie is just assuming things. Yeah. So it goes haywire and it is accidentally sending out these surges. We have something of a highly classified nature to show you. These are cosmic ray bursts. That was taken just 11 days ago. It released high energy particles that caused a catastrophic power surge all over the world. The rays grow stronger as they radiate towards us here on Earth. For that surge to affect Earth, it would essentially need to cover a width, of, a width of, yeah, a width of the entire galaxy. There are solar flares that pop up from the sun that are like go millions of miles, but Earth is just so small that none of them ever actually hit us. And so yeah. this 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 ray is is covering an absurd amount of territory. It's a sniper cosmic ray. Yeah, it's either a sniper cosmic ray or it is sending out wave energy waves so vast that it's and they kind of say that like the I guess the galaxy is going to be destroyed. It got to the realm of like a little bit silliness there. Yeah, I I just don't, you know, without uh having an antimatter generator to to verify whether this would actually happen, <laughs> I just don't know, but it seems a bit outlandish that this one station is 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 disrupting all of life across the galaxy. I took it with a grain of salt and just accepted it and got over my disbelief of it. Yeah, I just I was just perplexed is is the right word. It only makes sense if you don't think about it super long. The visual look of this movie, holy crap, man. Yeah. Visually visually stunning, really cool space soundtrack. There's an awesome video that you can look up on YouTube, the making of Ad Astra, and it shows how they built out the whole idea of making this as realistic as possible, as we see in the beginning of commercialized space travel, where the whole interior of Roy's spaceship that he travels in with the crew from Earth to the moon and then to Mars is all realistic buttons. Like they all have a purpose. They're not just there for, you know, visual aesthetics. Mm. Then all the vegetation and things in there is all very specific. It's like the sizing, you know, they have limited resources, so it can't be some super extravagant Star Trek type thing. Mm -hmm. And then the cinematography itself, it looked freaking awesome. They filmed this on actual film stock. So, you know, the actual reels of film, it wasn't on digital. I think it was on 35, Mm. which gives it that cool grainy look across the board. And I loved all the different color tones that they mixed in between like the orange colors of Mars and the more dark and very contrasty images throughout. I agree. It's it's a visually stunning film. The visual effects where they filmed that war scene on the moon with the pirates mm-hmm. was so crazy to watch because the amount of work and detail they have to put into that is not something you see on the surface. You just see the scene play out and you're like, wow, that was really cool. But they had to build layer upon layer. So they filmed in the desert with actual buggies and then they take that plate of it smashing into stuff and then add all this other debris and things like that. And the hardest part, which I thought was interesting, was the astronauts' helmets because you look at them and they're reflective, which is always a hard thing when you're filming because you don't want to see like the camera. Yeah. In every scene that they have it down in space, 
there's pretty much not a face mask there. So they has to be recreated via CGI and tracked and mapped and whole dude that's an insane having done a little bit of that it <laughs> takes forever to do that yeah that's you can tell scenes like that just they were really well done i mean it's very well detailed and you can't even tell like looking at it it doesn't even look cgi the visors are basically these reflective surfaces that see the whole world so we had to basically create that world in CG and add the reflections onto their visors. So it was a huge amount of work. In addition to the camera track, we created an object track for the visor surface. So we had a representation of that in CG. And then we were able to take that group of our DigiDouble astronauts, the CG rover, the MatchMove visor, the camera, and we would take all of that as a group and put it into our CG moon world that we built. And so we would basically have that group driving along the moon surface and then we would render the reflections of that movement just compositing the visor reflections was crazy challenging and that's really tricky because those reflections were oftentimes over their faces as they were performing even on mars where they show the people living there it was interesting to hear their thoughts because the director wanted their clothing to represent their mind space where they're so far gone from modern society on earth their clothing is just all mismatched and it has weird patterns and it just looks goofy to us because it doesn't make any sense. But they're just so far removed from what <laughs> seems normal. They developed their own culture too. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for AJ guesses statistics. <laughs> so AJ, can you tell me what do you think the estimated budget for Ad Astro was? I would say $65 million. Ooh, you are a little bit off. Not oh. too bad compared to the first review of chef Mm -hmm. you are off more though the actual estimated budget for this movie is about 90 million us dollars and how much do you think it made at the box office overall uh worldwide Mm, 300 million worldwide ad astra made 135.4 million us dollars that's not that's not great (laughs) it didn't get very many nominations but i think didn't brad pitt win for best actor Oh, okay. Ad Astra actually won two for best sound mixing for the 2020 Oscars. Oh, at the Oscars. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's cool. Well, out of 10 nuclear explosions, AJ, what would you rate this and would you recommend it to others to watch? You know, I would put it around eight nuclear explosions in space, mm. roughly. Um, the Rotten Tomatoes score for the film is 84%, which I think is about right if I were to rate it out of 100 the audience shat all over it on Rotten Tomatoes. It only got a 40%. Yeah, IMDb audience really didn't like it either. <laughs> the Metascore was great on IMDb. Those got an 80 as well. Critics seem to like this a lot more, probably because of the technical appreciation for a lot of this. Um, yeah. But as a story, as we kind of alluded to, there's it just kind of feels like it falls short a bit on what the story is trying to accomplish, but I kind of like the simplicity to it and the kind of minimalist tone that the the story has overall. It's very bare bones and it's mostly inside the mind of, of Roy. Yeah, I can appreciate it for what it is being the couple overarching stories of a son looking for his father and the conflict between that humanity and commercialization of travel and just the overall balance of you know, your passion versus life and what's in front of your eyes. So out of 10 nuclear explosions, I would probably rate this 
I'd rate it a seven. Mm, that's fair. I'd give it higher if it had maybe one more scene, emotional scene, like I said before, between Brad Pitt and his father when they were younger, just to mm-hmm. increase that emotional bond and raise the stakes a bit. Sure. Well, all right, everybody. This has been the second episode of the Video Lab podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have recommendations for what movie, TV show, or series you'd like us to watch, be sure to email us at thevideolabpodcast at gmail.com and get ready for the next episode. We'll be watching the movie Palm Springs with Andy Samberg. And you can find my review for this movie and other movies at my blog, asajthinks.com. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening until next time see ya peace